right, welcome in to another episode of the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. We got a special episode for you, uh, mildly notable all-in episode coming your way. As always, I'm your host, Seth Wilcock. We got a full house in here today. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Thomas Kuda, as always, and a couple in-between columnists, Chris Hayes and Nate Polvote. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Doing pretty great today. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are we doing out there in uh, in old Colorado, Nate? Not too bad, man. Wish it was a little cooler, but can't complain. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, are you holding down the fort down there out in the berg? Yeah, for a Monday, I'm doing pretty well, all things <laughs> considered. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into a little bit of introductions, let our listeners, uh, let them know a little bit more about Nate and about Chris and their work and where you can find that uh, here in a little bit. But today we're going to be focusing on revealing our all-in selections for the 2020 fantasy football seasons. These are these are our big flag plants for the season. Uh, these are the ones that if you want to hop on Twitter or call us up and, you know, kind of complain that we didn't get something right this year. This is the thing to do it. These are our most confident flag plants uh, based on their current average draft position in redraft PPR formats. So we're going to jump on into this. uh, But before that, you can find myself on Twitter at between underscore Seth FF. You can find Tom on Twitter as well at Thomas Cuda. Chris on Twitter at Chris underscore Hayes 8. You can find Nate on Twitter as well at Janet Jack. 2017 and you can find the show the site everything we have going on over in between media at ibt underscore media you subscribe to the podcast leave us a review we're on itunes google podcast stitcher spotify TuneIn, blueberry and deezer uh yeah so the site's been live guys for about two months uh we're continuing to grow continue to produce good content for our consumers our readers our listeners uh we appreciate all the support all the feedback so far This week, we just dropped our big collaboration project, 50 tips for the 2020 fantasy football season. We got some draft tips, some in-season tips, some lifestyle tips, uh, everything you need to get through uh, what's going to be an unprecedented 2020 fantasy football season. So check that out at inbetweenmedia.com. We're going to have a couple new preseason columns coming out within the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned for that. And then once we roll into the regular season here, we're going to have weekly columns. This podcast will be weekly as well. So sounds like we have our work cut out for us, guys. What do you think? Sounds fun to me. Yeah, we're going to get things. We're going to get things locked and loaded here today. This is the day we've been looking forward to. Uh, So... Chris, why don't you introduce yourself to a little bit uh, to our listeners a little bit? It's been a, been quite some time since you've uh, made an appearance on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a while, but uh, yeah. So I'm Chris. Um, I'm I'm 24 years old, about to be 25. Um, I love fantasy football. That's why I'm here. I've been playing for about a decade now, and it's it's one of the most fun things I do every fall and. But besides that, I live in Pittsburgh. I was born and raised in Pittsburgh. Huge Pittsburgh sports fan. The typical, you know, Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, all that stuff. Um, I love movies too, but that's a whole other side hobby of mine. But um, yeah, I went to IUP with Seth. Um, (laughs) And I was lucky enough to meet Tom through uh, his girlfriend at the time, now wife. But um, I've been buddies with those guys for a few years now and 
Um, yeah, majored in journalism, have a job now doing marketing and PR in the Pittsburgh area, and it's going pretty well. So I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be uh, working for Seth again and writing stuff and being on the podcast and talking fantasy sports because I love it. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. Appreciate it, man. Uh, it's a little bit of a role reversal. Last time, uh, Chris, I, <laughs> yeah. I actually worked for Chris. He was the editor-in-chief at the time. So, uh, yeah, definitely a little role reversal there. Uh, and, Nate, how about this your first time on the pod? Why don't you introduce yourselves to our listeners a little bit? All right. Well, what's up, guys? My name is Nate. Um, I'm in Denver. Uh, great city, great state. Uh, you know, we're hikers and we're outdoor people and fishers and um it's kind of what we do here uh i'm the oldest i believe here today i am 38 uh so i'm kind of old balls i'm the old man i guess if you would say <laughs> the veteran uh, leadership yeah yes. I, right um got a three-year-old son who's smarter than me already um love football i've been doing fantasy for jeez, oh, probably nearly 30 years now um i remember I remember when I was a kid, my dad would run fantasy leagues at his different jobs, different offices, and he would sit at the table on Monday night while we watched the games and hand fill out all the stats from the paper, score everybody. So um, this has been a passion of mine for a really long time, and I love writing about it. Never gotten to write before, never been privileged enough to have somebody read what I thought. Uh, this has been fun, man, and this is just a blast, and I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, Nate, happy to have you aboard, man. It's been a blessing. been a blessing to have all you gentlemen on board this summer as we roll into the 2020 fantasy football season. Uh, just wanted to recap one more time what an all-in selection is. This is a player that we are planning our flags on. We are confident drafting this player in just about every league in a redraft league at their current average draft position or ADP. You're going to hear the word ADP thrown out a lot this podcast. Uh, in 2018, when I first started this uh, podcast series under a different title, uh, my all-in picks were Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen, both finished the seasons as wide receiver ones, was feeling pretty good going into last season. And Tom, you actually, uh, you were a guest on last year's all-in all in selection show. Uh, so why don't you uh, give us a little intel on how this process goes for you and your selections from 2019 and how you uh, take, you know, the losses, the wins from that into this season? Well, I mean, last year, you know, of course you're excited about them. These are people that you think about a lot. You research a lot, watch a lot of tape games. You read everything you can find about them. And then something in you just says, this is the person that I trust to carry a big load for the team. Um, I think last year my two <laughs> were, well, okay, Darius guys. Obviously I'm taking a big L. <laughs> <laughs> there for multiple reasons. <laughs> um, and then Kenny Galladay. So we had the best and the worst because Kenny Galladay did amazing and Darius Geis is trash. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, the process is pretty, it's definitely one of the most fun things that you get to do coming into the, to the season. But, you know, when you're getting ready to draft and everything is figuring out who you're people that you're going to center your teams around when you can get them in any draft. Yeah, yeah. One out of two isn't bad for you, Tom, I think. Uh, definitely that first time around. It's definitely a learning process with these all-in selections uh, because 
you know, as we say a lot on this show, we say stay in between other people in the industry, say stay water. That means we're constantly taking in new information, changing our opinions on players because of that information. So we have to keep that in mind as we're picking these all-in selections. Uh, last year, my selections didn't go great as well. Uh, Tyler Boyd, he finishes wide receiver 18. He was definitely better than his ADP was last year, but still didn't reach that ceiling that I thought he had on a consistent basis. Uh, maybe we'll see things turn around a little bit this year with Joe Burrow. Uh, my other all-in selection last year, James Conner, hometown kid, you know what I mean, T- Chris? That, that hometown appeal there. Kind of got me. Tra- trapped. That was that was that was not his fault. He got hurt, and I mean, like when Ben went down, that was just kind of the end of everything. So it was <laughs> it was the it was the end for Juju too. I know, but it, Connor was one of those guys who kept trapping you because he kept coming back, and then you would play him, and he'd get you two points. And I'm pretty sure I played him in the finals in our dynasty league against Tom, and he got me. I think got me a zero before he walked off the field in the first quarter. So James Connor definitely burned me quite a bit last season, all the way around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he he was not healthy last year, but I think all, all, all the things I'm hearing is that he's healthier this year. And I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it eventually, but he should be better than he was last year. That's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, why don't we just jump on into it, boys? Uh, Nate, why don't you kick us off as the newbie here on the in-between? I'm going all right. So my big all-in this year is uh, Philip Lindsay. His ADP right now is floating right around mid eighth round in most leagues, and I think I mean that's a great slot for him, um, especially being a Denver guy. Uh, I hear more news about him than anybody else, and I'll tell you, man, the kid is fired up this year, especially with them adding Melvin Gordon. I think he feels a little disrespected, which I think is understandable. Um, but he just there's so much upside. And he's had so much time to work with Drew Locke, uh, get that timing down. Uh, the offensive line's getting better. He likes to run between the tackles, even though he's a little bit smaller. Uh, he's just a guy I really believe in. Um, and I'll take him anywhere I can get him. Uh, and I was the same way with him last year. Um, and I am biased, obviously, because he's a Colorado kid. Uh, went to CU, went to high school here. Um, so I've seen him a lot. And I just he has endless talent. And I'll never not believe in him. But this year, especially with the Gordon acquisition, I think he's just going to tear it up. Now, he's playing for a new contract. Um, I think that's a big deal, especially for a guy who's trying to stay in his hometown and probably does not want to leave and go anywhere else. This has been his dream. I think he showed so much upside last year. Uh, Doesn't really get hurt. He's pretty durable. Uh, he's a team player. He's not afraid to block. And I think he'll be rewarded with carries. And I'm hoping, and it, there's chatter, that they're going to be using him more in some receiving sets as well, um, sliding him out to the occasional slot, things like that. So I think I think his touches are going to go up, even with Gordon here. Um, so I'm pretty hot on him. I mean, I think a lot of people are too. I think, Thomas, maybe I saw you say something about Philip Lindsay, possibly. Um, I, just, I think he's got huge, huge upside. I don't think there's a whole lot of downside unless he gets hurt, which I just don't see happening. So, yeah, um, I do actually like Philip Lindsay. Um, I'll put a pin in most of my talk about him for later because Melvin Gordon is going to be my bust later on just for a little sneak peek down the road. So we'll definitely double back on this. But suffice to say, I very much agree with Nate on on, uh, Philip Lindsay. 
okay, Nate, I'm going to give you a little pushback here. What, what do you what do you think? What do you see? Philip Lindsay, I like the ADP, as you said. Definitely more of a value than he was last season going in those later rounds, uh, somewhere around the later RB30s, early RB40s. But do you see a, a good ceiling here? Because I'm just a little bit concerned about it because he's been this guy, and I love the talent, and I love you know the storyline behind it, and I love the player he is. But he was one of those guys who he was great between the 20s, but then inside the 20s, he didn't capitalize. Now they have Melvin Gordon, who has been a great goal line back throughout his career. Uh, how do you see that shaking out there in Denver? You know, I think early on between the 20s, he's going to get a lot of split carries with Gordon. And I think we're going to see that first couple of games. Um, and I guess that's going to depend. I guess we're going to see what Melvin Gordon has left. I'm just not a believer in Melvin Gordon as a lead back anymore. I don't see it. Um, so we'll have to see, I guess. Uh, I mean, you bring up a good point. He didn't score a lot of power touchdowns last year. But I think that could change this year. He's bulked up quite a bit, too. So I guess we'll have to see. And it, again, like you said, a lot of it depends on what Melvin Gordon does. Um, I don't, I foresee him getting hurt. So that's a big part of why I'm so in on Philip Lindsay. Um, I've been reading that Gordon's not doing well with altitude here. And that's a problem. So do you see, uh, do you see any issues uh, with possibly Royce Freeman mixing in there at all? Uh, are you are you worried about maybe a three-headed committee, or do you think it's just going to be these two? And to finish you out here, where are you comfortable with Lindsey on your roster? Do you see him as an RB2 or an RB3? So, first I see him as an RB2. Um, I'll, I'll probably have him starting every week. He's healthy. Um, Royce Freeman, I can't believe he's still a Bronco, honestly. Royce, Royce, bitch! Yeah, yeah. You know, he's had, he's had <laughs> what this is season three for him to show what he has and he hasn't he just hasn't done anything uh, they they try and start the season using him he just doesn't he just doesn't do it i know i'm not worried about rose streaming at all i don't think they're going to use him i'd be surprised if he's active most weeks honestly all right phil blinzy you heard it here first chris why don't you uh jump on into your first all-in selection of 2020 yeah, I'm sticking with Nate's Broncos uh, in Denver. And I was listening to a podcast a couple days ago from the Ringer guys, the Ringer fantasy guys who are great. And they were talking about uh, certain tight ends. And, of course, there's the three guys that we all know who are going to be taken toward the top. And that's uh, Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, George Kittle in uh, San Francisco, and um, Zach Ertz in Philly, of course. But besides those three... Um, there are some other guys. I mean, Mark Andrews, Tom's favorite guy, uh, <laughs> you know, Darren, Darren Waller in Oakland, like those guys, but those two guys, like not, not many people were talking about them like as top five tight ends last year. I mean, besides Andrews, maybe a few guys are talking about him, but, but there are some guys this year who are second year guys, uh, who I think have super high upside. Two of them are uh, TJ Hawkinson in uh, Detroit, and Mike Gesicki in Miami, but I'm going with uh, Noah Fant in Denver is the guy that I'm targeting is my all-in. And I'm going to tell you why, because uh, well, he was a first-round pick last year. Uh, he's one of my breakout candidates. Uh, he's part of a potentially, I think, I think could be an explosive offense. I'm really high on the Denver offense. I mean, their offensive line isn't exceptional, but uh, Drew Locke, I love. He showed flashes last year. 
and you do have other guys, uh, the rookies, Judy, Hamler, but they're they're only rookies, and with a season that's going to be hampered a bit by COVID and those guys not having as much reps, I don't think they're going to contribute as much right off the get-go. So you, you, you really have Cortland Sutton and then Noah Fan, And Noah Fan actually led the team last year with 388 yards after the catch, which I thought was impressive. He's athletic. He has size. He flashed a lot of potential. Um, he was second on the team behind Sutton in almost every major receiving category last year. And the new offensive coordinator there, Pat Shermer, has a history with tight ends because he was the coach for the Giants. And he had Evan Ingram there, who was also a super tall, athletic tight end. So, yeah, I think if he avoids the injury bug, which, I mean, you can say that for every player, um, I think he's got a lot of potential. His ADP is, like I'm seeing on uh, Fantasy Pros, it's 108 overall. So, I mean, depending on how many uh, teams you have in your league, that's like middle, late round. And I've seen among tight ends, he's from like the 10, to 12, or 13 range. And I think that's about right for him, but I see much more potential for upside there. And I think he could be the next Mark Andrews or the next Darren Waller this year. Yeah, Noah Fan is such an interesting uh, player this season, I think. Like you said, Chris, he has that draft capital coming into the season, and we saw flashes uh, in, in the pan last year. And it was it, with Joe Flacco, it was with... Uh, a variety of backup quarterbacks transitioning into Drew Locke. So I definitely like the upside there. Uh, he was actually one of my candidates for a breakout early on in the offseason as well. But after the Jerry Judy addition, as well as KJ Hamler, Melvin Gordon, uh, I was I was just a little taken back just because there are so many options in this offense. Uh, Chris, does the amount of, you know, the plethora, the smorgasbord, if you would, of targets that Drew Locke has does that worry you at all about fans ceiling uh maybe a little bit but like again like I said I mean it's going to be it's it's not a normal off season it's not going to be a normal season and I mean Judy and Hamler are both, both super talented guys especially Judy I, I love Judy I think he's going to be great but I mean for this first year I don't see them really stealing a huge amount of targets away from the two main guys Sutton and then Fant, I mean, Fant, they drafted him to be uh, a pass-catching tight end. I mean, he's, he's not the best blocker and stuff like that. So I think he's going to be kind of Drew Locke's security blanket, especially the, the early part of the season when teams are still trying to find their grooves and stuff like that. So I think he's, he's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to get a lot of catches and hopefully some touchdowns too. And I think he's definitely, I mean, as people are saying, he's kind of a fringe tight end one. He, he he's my tight end one in the in the dynasty league we play. I think he's going to be a tight end one throughout the year. I mean, I think you're 100 percent right, Chris. He's a beast, and he developed a good rapport with Locke last year, and I think that's only going to blossom. I mean, I can't see it not. Yeah. Yep. Um, I I like Fant as well. Like I'm looking at you know people two three spots. Ahead of him, you know, it's like Hayden Hurst, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry. I'd feel more comfortable with him, I think, than any of those three, except maybe Hurst. But yeah, I think that your uh, specifically your note about the amount of reps that Fant has gotten with Locke versus all the other people that are coming in this year, um, I think yeah. that will be a big benefit in his favor. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, you guys know, that's no secret of mine. I, you know, stream tight ends. So 
if he, you know, at his ADP, if he fell to me late enough, he'd definitely be the guy I'd scoop up and just, you know, do like Mandrews last year where I'd go out and get him in every league and just hope that he turns into what we all want him to be. <laughs> exactly. Tom was driving that Mandrews hype train, man. He even got me Dude, on I'm board, which I was happy about it. I was happy about it. In Dynasty last year, I went and I traded some, like, bit pieces for him because the guy who had him didn't think he was going to turn into anything. Free tight end one. <laughs> no doubt. Well, Tom, who is your all-in uh, all in selection since you kind of had the crystal ball last year on Mandrews? <laughs> well, <laughs> this one certainly isn't me really staking my reputation on anything. This is more of uh, me telling everyone to be comfortable with Josh Jacobs. Um, he's actually somebody who I've had my eye on since um, coming in to the league. I wanted to see how he did in his first year before I really formed some opinions on him. And wow, I loved everything he did last season. I mean, it's hard for somebody to land on the Raiders. You know what I mean? Like you're like, okay, well, let's hold up a minute. Let's see how things go. But I mean, even with a shoulder injury, keeping him out of games and hampering him and others, he played through that like a champion. I mean, I have every confidence that he's going to be a three down back here and they're going to give him a long leash to make mistakes and get better. And I just, (laughs) you know, he ended last year with over a thousand yards. (laughs) Um, And again, that's with missing three games. That's playing on a team that's not the greatest in the world right now. And he's only going to get better as time goes on. Uh, The coaching staff adores him. And they're really going to let the offense run through him from all the reports that are coming out. I just don't see a place where right now he's getting drafted around like 20 overall, which puts him as the RB13. I mean, that's way too low. That's way too low. It's really low. Yeah. Like I've seen him go in personal drafts. I kind of think. I'm on Fantasy Pros. It's usually where I go to look for ADP. I think this is just behind because in like mocks and stuff that I've done, he's gone higher than that. Top, like pretty uh, much 10. end of the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Top 10 easy, which is about where I put him, which is basically why I'm saying he's the guy I'm planting my flag in. You know, if, if I'm coming up to late first round and I'm like, who do I want to be my guy here? He's the person I'm going to go with hands down almost every time, you know? Yeah, Tom. I mean, Josh Jacobs has been one of those guys all offseason. Maybe initially I didn't have him very high in my ranks, but he is slowly, as we've got more information, as we saw what the Raiders did throughout the draft, uh, he's continued to rise up those ranks. Uh, He came out the other day in training camp and said that he wants to pace for 60 receptions. I mean, again, I know that's that's just player talk, and he's hopeful for himself, but I think John Gruden... He knows that he has a special guy here. I think he wants success for his team. And I think one of the best ways to get there is Josh Jacobs, who ha- you know, I think was, what, top four in the league in rushing uh, despite missing a couple games due to injury? Yeah, he was pretty close to that. I mean, he put up stellar numbers. 1,150 yards, um, seven touchdowns, 242 attempts. Like, I mean, they literally just put the football in his hand as often as they could. He was underutilized in a pass game, but I doubt they make that mistake again this year. Like, I, I think 60 receptions is pretty reasonable for what they're going to want to do with him. Normally, we, we're seeing Jacobs go kind of in that tier two of the RB1s, uh, somewhere around the Joe Mixons, uh, Kenyon Drakes, uh, kind of that back half there. Guys, over that 
uh, over everyone kind of in that tier two uh, behind Alvin Kamara. We'll put Dalvin Cook in that top tier. So we'll go Joe Mixon, uh, Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb, and Josh Jacobs. Where where do you guys stand on that? Where are you taking Jacobs in that group of four there? I mean, t- to me, Jacobs, uh, among those guys, this is the clear number one to me. I mean, uh, Mixon, I mean, Mixon's pretty consistent. Um, he'd probably be my second option, but Nick Chubb, I just saw a thing today. He might've got a concussion today, which I mean, he should be fine by the season, but I mean, he has to split time with Kareem Hunt and then, yeah, I mean, among those, that's that second tier group. Like you said, I think Jacobs definitely has the highest upside and, and also might be the most consistent. He's kind of the workhorse there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think I have questions about Dalvin Cook staying healthy. Um, I've never really believed in Joe Mixon, and then Nick Chubb splitting carries with Kareem Hunt. I mean, I think Josh Jacobs is the clear top out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, I, I think I would definitely be comfortable with him as my RB1, especially uh, in my home league. We uh, got draft positions this last week, and I'm sitting at uh, the, the 111, and in a couple of mocks, he's fallen to me there, and I, I would just, I'd be in love if Josh Jacobs fell to me there. So, Tom. Josh Jacobs going all in. Hopefully it pays out better than Darius Geis last season. <laughs> Listen, I, I'll just say, you want to know how all in I went this year? I had Alvin Kamara on my dynasty team, and I traded him for Josh Jacobs. Not straight up. Um, you know, it was Tyler Higby, Alvin Kamara, Christian Kirk on my side, and I got Josh Jacobs and two first-round picks. I think it was pretty good, but that's how like serious I am about him being an RB1 for the next four or five years. I just think he's got the build and the stability to produce consistently. That's bold. Very bold. I drafted two running backs just for an insurance policy <laughs> to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Tom's all in on Josh Jacobs and I'm gonna shift I gears. Love it. I'm gonna shift gears here a little bit. I'm gonna go back to the tight end carousel and talk about Probably one of the players Tom is sick of me talking about at this point because I've been hyping up this guy. I at least mention him once every episode. Uh, he is my all-in selection of, for the 2020 season. It's tight end Philadelphia Eagles, Zach Ertz. Uh, I think it's very ironic considering the recent extensions of the other superstar tight ends. Uh, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle over the last couple weeks have received many millions and millions of dollars. Uh, but yeah, I think this just adds to the narrative that Zach Ertz is hungry, he's talented, and Philadelphia is banged up at the position early in the season once again. Uh, Ertz, he's had he's had over 100 targets in six straight seasons, tight end six or better in four straight seasons, and for some reason coming into the season, I feel like Ertz is being very undervalued. Maybe his ADP is rising a little bit because of the Alshon news. Uh, Marquise Goodwin opted out as well. I think this adds to it uh, extensively too. But I think, yeah, I think Ertz, he's in that fourth or fifth round ADP. And I think that's very, very low for a guy who has the ceiling of tight end one. I, th- I think he's being a little bit disrespected because of uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, Kittle. And a lot of people have Mark Andrews above him as well. So I, I can keep going on and on about Zach Ertz, but uh, why don't you guys give me a little feedback before I, I, I keep defending my guy here? Seth, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. W- what about Dallas Goddard, though? Oh, I mean, I, like, yeah. yeah. Like George Kittle, because Kittle and Kelsey, like, they don't really have a second guy who's going to really challenge them. But I feel like 
at, at least wow. like if I if I had the chance to draft Ertz, I, I'm sure I would. But I might just think for a second about Goddard, who's younger, who I'm sure they like too. I mean, he's, he's not going to be at the level Ertz is at right now, but maybe someday. But I just think I kind of get, get concerned about him too. Yeah, and Chris, that's a very reasonably that's a very reasonable concern, and people like you are the reason his ADP keeps falling, Zach Ertz. So I I welcome the question, and my answer to that would be the Philadelphia's use of twelve man personnel. Uh, it was the highest in the league last year, 46.1 percentage. They're going with these two tight end, two wide receiver sets because that's all they have, really. I know everyone's excited about Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson's coming back, but Deshaun Jackson's been injury prone. We don't know where he is. Greg Ward's probably starting on this team in the slot. We already have news on that. And while Greg Ward's a good dude and everything, I mean, he's not he's not that good. I mean, I mean, he's good. Like, he's a good player, but he's not gonna gonna beat the world here. yeah the eagles they already lost brandon brooks they're arguably their best guard jason peters he's back signed with the eagles uh but he, however he's he's been shaky over the last couple of years as well as this line in total so right now i think they're gonna have to go back to that 12-man personnel uh we know we think at least a lot of people in the community are high on miles sanders i'm not personally too much but i think they're gonna put both these guys on the field because at the end of the day i think zach Ertz and dallas goddard are probably arguably two of their three to four best pass catchers they have. Uh, and I also think with the loss of Alshon Jeffrey, uh, he's on the pup right now. Carson Wentz, he normally goes uh, with Alshon Jeffrey. He's on a 32 touchdown pace for 16 games. Without Alshon, he's at 18. That's uh, a big difference with Alshon. I think Zach Ertz and these speedy guys are going to open some things up for him and help him help him get that pace up a little bit. I guess my only concern with Ertz, because I mean, in general, I'd have him. I'd probably take Kittle ahead of Ertz, but I probably wouldn't take Kelsey ahead of Zach Ertz. I I just have concerns, and I might be the only person in the world. I know I'm not, but I worry about Carson Wentz durability. Certainly. He, yeah. He, ta- he takes risks outside the pocket, and he gets hit hard. And if he goes down, you can forget about Ertz. I, I just don't see it. I don't think that he'll get nearly the touches, nearly the targets. And I could be wrong. That would be my only the only thing I'd worry about with Ertz. But otherwise, I mean, I think he's top two, top three in the league at tight end. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see that concern from you, Nate. I mean, Carson Wentz, his health has been anything but steady the last couple of years. So I feel that. Uh, the only thing I would like to note, though, is uh, don't forget about when, when he went down a couple of years ago. Nick Foles really stepped up, and Zach Ertz is a big part of that. Definitely doesn't get the the target share he does with with someone like Carson Wentz, but they got Jalen Hurt now. I think he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be a, a decent guy, and I think a, a rookie someone for a rookie some someone like Zach Ertz is gonna be that security blanket uh, for him to really check down to if if need if need be. That's a good point. Um, for me, I kind of. I kind of think of Zach Ertz like Gronk fading out of his prime a oh, bit. No, like everyone's gonna, no, I mean, everyone's gonna <laughs> disrespect him, but he's probably got two or three seasons where you drafting him is going to mean that you have well above average tight end performance. And as long as he's still fading, like as long as his ADP just keeps slipping and slipping, he just gets more and more tempting to take. I mean, last year. He was second among tight ends in receptions, and if you translated that over to wide receiver production, it would put him as 10th in the league. 
So, like, he's still got some gas left in the tank, no doubt. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm not the kind that draft tight ends high, but I don't know. As much as I want to, I, I can't hate on it too much. You don't want tight ends or quarterbacks early, man. You you just want running backs and wide receivers for, like, nine rounds. I do. I've just been burned so bad. That's smart. It's smart. <laughs> I don't, I don't blame you there. Last thing I'll say on Zach Ertz, uh, just how confident I am in him. I think this guy, I think he's going to be better than Mark Andrews this year. I, I, I love Andrews. I love that hype train you've been driving up over there, Tom. But uh, I think Zach Ertz, <laughs> he has the receptions, man. He's got that, he's got that rapport with uh, Mr. Wentz. <laughs> when we it? get our betting system in place, put me down for that season-long bet. Oh, dude. Okay, okay, we're in, man. Whatever it's we a, figure out. Me down. <laughs> all right, all right, we got that one going. Uh, Nate, you got to put your kid to sleep here in a little less than an hour. So uh, why don't you, uh, why don't you send it back with another all-in for us? All right. So my second one is uh, Odell Beckham. Um, he's a guy I've actually held in our keeper league. It's my third season with him now, um, and I love the guy. And I love the situation in Cleveland. Specifically, um, I think Mayfield's due to have a good year. Maybe not a great year, but a pretty good year. Um, they've got that good backfield, and that's going to open up a lot of stuff for him, I think, in the passing game. And Beckham's going to be kind of the key there. Um, I, I know you've got Jarvis Landry, who's going to take some shares of that too. But Beckham's the touchdown guy. And I just I, just, I have this feeling he's going to explode. He definitely didn't live up to his potential last season, though he did have – he had, I mean, not a terrible year. Still had 133 targets. Uh, you know, it's not the 170 he was getting from Manning, but 74 catches, over 1,000 yards. The guy produces touchdowns most years, and he had an off year last year, but I think that's going to turn around. And the offense that they're running is similar to that Kubiak offense, and I think that's going to just pay dividends for Beckham. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, especially about the Mayfield part, but I just, I just see him having a big year. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm on that train with you there, Nate. Uh, he was a guy I, I took him in a couple leagues early last year, and I I still have that bad taste in my mouth from him a little bit. But I like this Kevin Stefanski offense they're bringing in. Uh, they're gonna run the ball. They're gonna set the tone with Nick Chubb with Kareem Hunt, and I think that's actually gonna open up some things for OBJ. And no disrespect to anyone, but. I think Freddie Kitchens was kind of a joke of a head coaching hire, and I think that's really where that those issues started, translated into a poor offensive line that has been fixed up quite a bit, good bit. So I, I think he definitely has a higher ceiling. Uh, yeah, what, what does everyone else think on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you, Nate. I think, I mean, like you said, Seth, Freddie Kitchens was just an <laughs> abomination of a coach. <laughs> it was so bad. But... Uh, it was just, I mean, seeing it from a Steelers fan perspective was just, I mean, like I've, 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 I've liked the Browns talent for years now. I think Baker can be great. Baker's on one of my teams actually. Um, and I think OBJ is going to have a bounce back year. I mean, he wasn't bad last year. He just wasn't as good as he normally was with the giants. And I think a lot of that was due to kitchens and the play calling and Baker struggling a little bit, but yeah, I think you said well, like uh, Seth uh, Stefanski offense is going to have a lot more play action and stuff like that, and they're going to like Beckham's going to be open a lot of the time because they have a lot, a lot of weapons there. I um, mean, you got Jarvis Landry and uh, Chubb and Hunt, and they brought in Austin Hooper from the Falcons, who's a really good tight end. 
Um, he's kind of slept on. Then you have David and Joku too. There's plenty of weapons there, but like OBJ is definitely the number one guy, and I think he's going to play like one this year. Well, I think he's the guy they're going to want to throw to in the red zone. I mean, he's yeah. got some great hands, and he's man. You put one in the end zone for him, he uh, heals onto it for dear life. And I think he's going to get a lot more of those throws this year too. He had a he had a lot of those like like almost touchdowns last year that like again as an OBJ uh, owner I was holding my breath every time they were in the red zone it seemed like him and Baker were just so close but so far off at the same time so hopefully some of these adjustments can help him a little bit and I feel like you can't beat the ADP as well the ADP's what somewhere back in the end of the third round early fourth I think I might be the lone dissenter here on. <laughs> OBJ. I don't dislike him. I want to say that. I've just never been a fan of his attitude. Like, I, there's so many mouths to feed there, and I feel like any week that he's not the alpha, you know, he's not the one getting all the praise, I just feel like he's going to have some some issues. Now, obviously, there's, you know, discrepancies in, in ADP and things. I, I usually go to Fantasy Pros. Maybe I shouldn't. I'm not sure. But right now it has him as 32 overall. Um, so I'd put him at mid-third round. Yeah, back half the third, yeah. Puts him right in line with, like, Juju, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore. And I'd rather have any of them, I think, than him. I don't know. I just don't trust the Browns. I think that's really <laughs> it. Honestly, I think that's all it comes down to. And that could just be hometown hate for me because I'm also a Steelers fan. I lived in Pittsburgh for a while, so it's all three for me all day. But I don't know, man. There's just something about OBJ that just rubs me the wrong way. Like Jarvis Landry is not as good of a receiver. I don't know. He's got some attitude too, honestly. There's just so much talent there right now with Austin Hooper and Joku, Hunt, Chubb. Like there's so many different avenues for them to run and score. And I see the argument that that opens up a lot of – lanes for him to run and do his yards after the catch and really just blow open plays but I don't know there's just something in my gut that leaves me wanting and I would probably draft around him and leave him for someone else yeah yeah it's definitely an argument to make uh I'll throw it back to Nate here for closing arguments but last thing I'll say on OBJ is while the floor is scary and I definitely felt some of the, that scarceness last season uh there's not many people that you can draft in that range that you're talking about, Tom, and have the upside of wide receiver, the wide receiver one. So, I mean, that I can't disagree with. His upside, like if he is, if he just caught fire this year, I'm gonna look like an idiot in a few months. So, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> now, the thing about Odell Beckham is he's one of those guys where it kind of feels like this season, if you're right about him, you were really right. It's going to pay off. If you're wrong about him. I mean, you're looking at maybe dumping him week six because you're just seeing he's not a part of that offense. And it could really go either way. I think that, with, like what you guys were saying with Freddie Kitchens, I mean, that's a he was a terrible coach. And that was a joke. And it was hard to watch. <laughs> but having – Stefanski's a much better coach. Uh, I think he's got them. It, it already seems like Odell Beckham's keeping his mouth shut a little bit more. They don't have free run of the locker room anymore like they did last season. These guys are going to have to behave. And I think all that just uh, look at what Beckham did under Tom Copley. That, that's you know, true. That structure, he's going to have that again this year. So I think it's going to be big. But, you know, it could bite me in the ass and I could be dumped in week six again. So you never know. The name value is always there if you need to trade him, though. That's the one great thing about yep. Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Chris, yep. 
why don't you throw us another another name for your second all-in pick of the season? Yeah, my second guy was a guy that you were taking shots at like 15 minutes ago, and I, I noticed <laughs> it's Miles, Miles Sanders oh. in Philly. And I, I don't want to hear your negativity because <laughs> I'm going to give you some reasons why you should like him. <laughs> but he's second-year guy, just like my other pick was a Noah fan. And he's kind of been like overshadowed his whole career, including college, because he was the backup to Saquon. We are. Until, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Penn State. Obligated to say that now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a company man. (laughs) (laughs) So you you should like Sanders. I don't know why you're trashing him. But (laughs) anyway, so he goes to Philly, and last year, like it seems like the people I hear talking about his season last year like it was a huge just disappointment which i mean he wasn't he wasn't saquon he wasn't zeke elliott his rookie year he wasn't guys like that but he wasn't bad i mean he was he caught 50 catches out of the backfield 609 yards three touchdowns uh i don't have his rushing stats pulled up right now but they weren't horrible either i mean he led the team in rushing i know that and his backup his backups this year are i mean there's no more jordan howard he's in miami so his backups are Boston Scott and Corey Clement, who, I mean, they're not going to take a ton of carries away from Miles Sanders. Doug Peterson came out this offseason multiple times and gave his full vote of confidence in him. He's, he said he's the number one guy for sure. He's our workhorse. He's our, he's our guy. Um, I think he can kind of be, besides Ertz, kind of the new security blanket for Wentz. Um, if, I mean, Wentz, he loves to run around the pocket He's dumps it off to Miles Sanders. I think Sanders could have. I mean, he had 50 catches last year. He could have maybe 75 catches. I don't know. Um, his ADP is, I mean, he's the 19th overall on Fantasy Pros. So He's, he's, he's definitely kind of, probably going into that first round, though. I've, I've been seeing him. Like, at least the back end or early second, I've been seeing him, I feel like, in PPR. Yeah, I was going to say either end of first, beginning of second, which I think is about right for him because he doesn't have the track record right now. But I think he has huge upside, which is why he's kind of my all-in. And, I mean, his snap count steadily increased toward the end of last year. He had two huge games against Washington and Dallas, two division opponents. Um, and the Giants have a terrible defense, so I think he can have a huge impact in the divisional games too. So, yeah, I think Sanders is kind of a guy who – it's kind of, I mean, even though he's a end of first round, beginning of second round pick, I think he can be an RB1. And I think he might shock a lot of people who are kind of down on him, like you, Seth. So, yeah. I will, I'll open this up to a floor discussion. I'll just defend my, my, my case real quick. Chris, I, I think you make a really valid argument. And I do love Miles Sanders, the player. He's fun to watch. Uh, the guy can catch passes. He's explosive. And like you said, I think he has kind of been overshadowed his whole career. Uh, I liked him coming into last season, and I liked the player. But the only issue I struggle with is, like you said, it's a it's a back of the first, early second round pick for an Eagles running back. The last time the Eagles have had an RB1 was when LaShawn McCoy was still in town. I just want you to think about that, okay? I mean, I know... Like and, and they haven't had great running backs, but they've still had some dogs back there, man. Like, Jay Jai was, like, drafted in the second round a couple seasons ago. Uh, he kind of shit the bed. DeMarco Murray a couple years ago kind of shit the bed again. Like, I like Miles Sanders, 
But again, it seems like every year we come in here with high hopes for an Eagles running back, they kind of shit the bed. I said that last year too, though, against about Mark Ingram, and that taunted me to you. So <laughs> I, I know what you're saying here. What does anyone else think? Yeah, I think Philly, I guess my perception of any running back in Philly, really since LaShawn McCoy, is they don't have much of a running game. I don't expect to see them run. Um, I like Miles Sanders, though. I mean, watching the kid last year, I was just impressed with his just kind of like go get him. And he worked hard. And you could tell he was working hard. Um, I don't know that I like his ADP. That would be my only holdback. Uh, it feels a, little, feels a little too early to me. But then, I mean, again, that could be totally wrong. I mean, the guy could end up in RB1 and have a massive year. It's You never know. And we'll see what Philly does with running the ball. Um, well, I went and grabbed his stats real quick. 179 carries for 818 yards, and then obviously the 50 receptions for 509 and three touchdowns. I really like Miles Sanders. Um, yes, when I was, yes, Tom. When I was out there fishing for running backs who I think might be a one, um, I honestly was ready to pull the trigger on trying to pull a trade off for Miles Sanders. The only thing that held me back was the team he's on. He is the RB1 on that team. So there's no way I'm going to pay. I would definitely have to pay more than what he's worth to me. But I I don't know. You guys, the my biggest negative against him is the one that's already been said here, that the Eagles don't really – they just haven't had their running game pop off. But the last few seasons, Eagles really haven't had a good receiving core either. It's just been Zach Ertz. That's it. Like everyone keeps getting injured. They keep blowing out. I think if Jalen Ragor can come in and do his job and do it well, and they can really open up some space, I think that Miles Sanders is just going to have a fantastic year. I th- love him as an RB2 with RB1 upside. So maybe his ADP is a little high, but I don't know. I really like him as a player. It really just depends on whether or not that opportunity is there for him this year. Can, can, can I just jump in about one thing? You... Um. You mentioned, uh, like, since Shady, there's been no really good running back. I mean, Jay Ajayi, I think he, didn't he have, like, a really good year? Then he just got hurt. I mean, that that happens. I mean, running backs get hurt. And right. then, um, I forget the, the other guy, DeMarco Murray. That was, like, the weird, like, Chip Kelly, like, era, I think. Like, that was, like, when, like, Shady McCoy was there, too, toward the end. And they didn't get along, and he got traded. And, like, I think, like, Philly just had some weird years, like, especially in that era. And now that... Doug Peterson's there. There's more stability. He won a Super Bowl. Um, he's going to be there for a while. There's that stability that you want. And I think, I mean, they have Carson. They have a, a lot of weapons there. And Miles Sanders is hes young. He's only been there one year. And I think they drafted him to be that workhorse guy, that RB1 type of guy. And I think this is the year it's kind of really going to pop off. I stand, yeah, I, I actually stand corrected a little bit. Uh, JJ, he, Jai, he did get hurt four games into the season, 2018. Thank you for that, Chris. I appreciate that. Still not drafting sure. Miles Sanders in the first round, though. <laughs> All right. Fair, fair. I, I, again, he's kind of in that tier for me with, like, the Joe Mixons and the, the Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drakes, but he's just on the back half of it. Like, I still like him, but just not, not for the ADP. But, Tom... You got someone I'm going to like, or we can have some issues too, bro? <laughs> Listen, I hope this is someone that everyone likes. This is a, someone that I love, and that is a gentleman by the name of DK Metcalf. So I'm going to throw some stats 
at you. Um, he went for rookie campaign, 58 catches, 900 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, he then went two playoff games for 11, 219, and one. Obviously, playoff games don't matter if for fantasy purposes, but it does matter when you're trying to make it Russell Wilson confident in throwing the football at you. Now, the real thing that I love about DK Metcalf is his route running. So last year, he finished at the 85th percentile in success versus man coverage, 79th in success rate versus press. And um, most of his routes are nine or digs or out routes. Pretty even split on the three. Point is, the man crushes coverage. He absolutely can snap off routes all day long. And that was the biggest knock against him coming out, like coming into the draft, like out of college and stuff. People thought he was going to not be able to win those types of coverages. And he did it so consistently last year. It's ridiculous how well he did. Um, his comps coming into his second year right now, we're looking at like his, his results from last year, from his rookie campaign are almost dead even with the kind of results that Des Bryant put up in his peak. So at his current ADP, which is like fifth round right now, mid-fifth round, you're talking your wide receiver two here. I mean, if you told me I could have Des Bryant in his 2014 like peak as my wide receiver two, all day. I'm there all day. <laughs> I absolutely love DK Metcalf, and anytime I can get him as my wide receiver two this year, it's going down. <laughs> How do you feel about the competition with Lockett, though? Yeah. I mean, um, I see it kind of as a 1A, 1B, and a matchup that Metcalf will win in time. For this year, Tom, redraft specifically, PPR, Like, do you like Metcalf better than Lockett? Yeah, they're actually, they're ADPs right now. Well, at least I have it set on Fantasy Pros to look for PPR. So I'm assuming most, most leagues are PPR, half PPR. They're dead even with each other. They're ADPs. And I think that Metcalf is going to be the one to really, really just take it to the next level this year. I mean, I was amazed at how much work he ate out of Lockett's load last year in his rookie season. Like, I figured he'd get nothing, and I wouldn't be having this conversation with you guys for another couple of years, and I would just have him on my taxi squad for a while. But, I mean, I'm just so thoroughly impressed. And, again, I, I can't stress enough how reliable he was. I mean, he has a bit of a drop problem. He does drop some passes. Um, that is something he needs to work on. I, I can't leave that note out for sure. But all the off-season reports that are coming out so far, he's been working out with Russell Wilson a lot, building a lot of trust with him, a lot of rapport between the two of them. And I don't have anything against Tyler Lockett. I just think it's definitely going to be a 1A, 1B. And Metcalf's the guy he's probably going to throw to in the end zone. So as long as he catches him when the ball comes his way, when he's beating those, you know, man coverage routes and stuff, it's going to be a big year for him. Tom, I agree with you here completely. I think Metcalf is, he is a great wide receiver two option this year. I think and he has that ceiling for maybe a back end wide receiver one as well. And one of the biggest things I think going in his favor this year that not a lot of people are talking to coming into this season is Russell Wilson is kind of, Again, maybe it doesn't matter, but Russell Wilson has talked about more this offseason than ever before about how he kind of wants what the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have. He wa he wants to air it out a little more, show the world what he can be. Uh, it will be interesting to see if Pete Carroll
Carroll can finally go away from running on first down every time and <laughs> running on second down 85% of the time. But He loves it. He, he loves doing that. <laughs> uh, he, he might not be able to do it this year, though, man. I mean, they don't have a great backfield. Or a great yeah, backfield. They don't prove that they can stay healthy, and that I mean that is beneficial for Metcalf for sure. Yeah, yeah, Tom. I think Metcalf. I think I do not think you'll be disappointed with that all in a year from now. I hope not. I mean, I Same. think every night Pete Carroll has nightmares about his throw it on the one yard line decision, and that's why he never lets Russell throw so much. But I think they're working on that. <laughs> in due time, in due time, Pete, in due time. All right, I guess this is my time. My time. Your time to shine. All right, everyone. So my second and final all-in selection for the 2020 season is I have a couple of honorable mentions I wanted to throw out. I was This was really hard for me. I'll be honest. There are a lot of guys I really like this season. Uh, Joe Burrow, I've t- hyped him up a ton. Cortland Sutton back on that Broncos grind. Love him at his ADP. Justin Jefferson, all-in on that guy as well. But I'm going to talk about a guy, uh, last season, flashback to 2019, simpler times, gentlemen. Uh, there was a guy somewhat going somewhere in the early early fourth, uh, mid to fourth, maybe early fifth round a little bit. But that his name was Chris Godwin. A lot of people really liked him coming into last year. And I really liked him as well, but I didn't pick him as one of my all-ins. And I picked Tyler Boyd, and now I regret that. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to pick the guy that everyone is calling this year's Chris Godwin in Calvin Ridley. There's over 140 available targets for him. Uh, I know it wasn't an amazing season last year. It was very, very comparable to his rookie year. Uh, 63 receptions, 866 yards, 7 TDs. He has that high touchdown upside, but uh, aside from these hype videos with his beautiful route running, I think just with the volume, uh, Dan Quinn fighting for his job, I think we're going to see in the next year, maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year, but I think soon we're going to see that passing of the torch, and I think he's going to be a wide receiver one. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm totally with you there, Seth. I, I hate to admit it, but I am. I think uh, like I'm really high on the Atlanta Falcons offense this year. I think Matt Ryan's going to be excellent. I think Julio is going to be great as always. Julio has been productive for my dynasty team and our, our league we're in for years. He's great. He's going to still be great, but also I think Calvin Ridley is going to, like you said, kind of creep up and kind of be like the one B to Julio's one A at least for the next year or two until he does uh, take the torch from him. Uh, he's kind of steadily increased his, uh, his stats the last two years since he's been in the league. He had more touchdowns than Julio had last year. I mean, Julio's kind of known for not catching touchdowns, which yeah. annoys me. But, but yeah, Calvin kind of steals his touchdown passes, and I think that might continue. But I think yeah, he's he's certainly a guy that I don't really hear many people talking about. He's kind of kind of a sleeper, but I think he he has that wide receiver one upside for sure. I, I think it's a good pick. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I'm just kind of looking over some stats right now. I mean, he's. First two seasons, he's been pretty consistent. I think with the addition to Gurley, that's really going to open things up for Ryan this year. He's got Matt Ryan's got something to prove, man. He since that Super Bowl loss to the Patriots, he just has not been the same back. But I still, I still believe he's got it, and I think this is this is the year he bounces back from that. 
And I think Ridley's going to be a huge part of that, man. I mean, he runs tight routes. Um, he's reliable. You're looking at almost 70%, catching 70% of his passes. That's good. Um, especially when Matt Ryan hasn't been as accurate as he used to be. So, yeah, man, I mean, I, I buy it. I definitely buy it. Um, I'm pretty much just also going to agree. Uh, like, <laughs> his his success rates against man coverage were redunculous last year. It was like 78% success rate or something like that, which puts him in like the 95th percentile. I'm pretty sure is what I read, but like that kind of success rate. And then to not have a thousand yard season, it's almost unheard of. Like that just doesn't really happen very often. Um, so it's, it's coming for him, man. He's hungry. He wants it. He's due a thousand yard season. And I think he's going to get it. Like, I think he's just going to have himself a, a lights out year. Like Chris said, I mean, he's, he's got just this, you know, golden sensor for how to catch touchdown passes. And <laughs> I don't know, man, I, I don't want to, I'm, you know, not ready as confident as you to say he's going to be the next Chris Godwin, but dang, if I'm not going to roll the dice and find out this year. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, people forget that Calvin Ridley was actually a first round pick going back two seasons ago. And that was a time when people kind of questioned the pick, not because Calvin Ridley was uh, a schmuck or anything coming into the draft, but because they had such a good wide receiving core at that point. So I think that's interesting. I think Dan Quinn's going to be fighting for his job this season. And in a year where everything and shit is just hitting the fan left, right, and center for the sports world, the world in general, and the NFL, I, I like that familiarity with the Falcons. Uh, we've seen them do it on the big-time stage before. Let's see him do it again here, and I think Calvin Ridley's going to be a big part of that here in 2020. All right, gentlemen, and here is the time, the time that we're going to talk about busts. These are candidates that we are not excited about at their current ADP, and we're calling out that, that our listeners, our, our readers, whoever you are out there, people, we're telling you, please do not draft these people. And uh, Nate, why don't we throw it back to you one more time? We'll do a little rapid fire here. All right. So my bust is Derek Carr. Um, I just, I don't believe in the guy. Um, I know he's got a stellar offense. He's got a lot of weapons there in Las Vegas. I just, he, he's not the guy and he's never going to be the guy. He reminds me too much of his brother. I think he got, he got a little bit more, um, more of a chance than his brother did. I just don't see it. He has the heart. He just doesn't have the talent. I don't think he's got the arm to succeed. And I think they're going to find this season. Um, I think Gruden specifically is going to find that it might be time to move on from Derek Carr. Yeah. And like, I mean, Marcus Mariota is there too. And they gave him $8 million for a backup. And, you know, John Gruden, of course, comes out and says, oh, we can use him in some different wildcat stuff. You said that about Josh Jacobs last year. Like, I don't believe you when you say that. Like, you sign Marcus Mariota as a backup in case Derek Carr kind of sucks again. And, yeah, I, I I understand where you're coming from there, Nate. Uh, are are you interested in him in maybe a 2QB league at all or anything like that, or you just want nothing to do with him? I want nothing to do with him. I really don't think he'll make it through the year as the starter in Las Vegas. Fair enough. Fair enough. Chris, Chris, who you got for us here, man? 
I feel like I might get crushed for this, but I'm just gonna say it anyway. I think it's Kenyon Drake is the guy that I mean, if 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 he's there, like if if it's the if he's my RB two, I feel pretty good about it. But if he's my RB one, I don't. I mean, he just has no track record. I mean, those years in Miami, I mean, that team was pretty dysfunctional, but he was not great. I mean, he was kind of a fumble machine. And then he gets to Arizona uh, this past season, and he was good. I mean, especially the second half of the season when they kind of figured things out, and he was a starting guy, and David Johnson uh, was just not consistent and kept getting hurt and whatever. I mean, Drake was good, but... He had two great games, week 15, week 16 against Cleveland and Seattle. He had over 100 yards and some touchdowns. But besides that, I mean, week 17, 12 carries, 60 yards. Week 14 against the Steelers, 11 carries, 37 yards. Week before, 13 carries, 31 yards. He hasn't shown the consistent production that these, those other guys have. The uh, the Dalvin Cook, I mean, Derrick Henry, he's... He's not quite in that range, but he's kind of in that range below that we've talked about with Josh Jacobs and who I love way more and uh, Nick Chubb and Miles Sanders, who we talked about. And I mean, I think Drake is a probably a solid RB2, but is he an RB1? I don't know. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals offensive line is the 21st ranked offensive line in the league. And it was it was not good last year. It's probably not going to be even middle of the pack this year. Um, I, I love Kyler. I love DeAndre Hopkins. I think their offense will be good, but it's kind of like the Browns last year to me. They're that team that everyone's hyping up and thinks they're going to be like this huge, like dynamic offense, top five offense. And I think things might not go as planned, especially with this weird off season. And, um, they're kind of a more air raid. Cliff Kingsbury is a big air raid guy. They're probably going to pass the ball a ton, which Drake might get a lot of those catches maybe, but I'm not as confident. I don't think he has the proven track record that some other guys do. Yeah, Chris, Kenyon Drake's definitely an interesting name to throw out here. To me, he's definitely the definition of a little bit of recency bias. Uh, we talked about that in the 50, yeah. in, in the 50 tips a little bit and how, you know, sometimes because of just how a player finishes the season, uh, we definitely get a little warmer than we should be. Uh, I, with that being said, though, uh, you know, the argument in your favor is Drake, before last season, he had 170 carries last season. But before that, he had never had, going back to college even, uh, Bama, he had never had 150 carries in a season. So, like you said, he doesn't have that workhorse experience. Uh I do like him, though, like in that Cliff Kingsbury offense with Kyler Murray, who's a threat to run it himself. I think it opens up the entire offense with that. Add DeAndre Hopkins in the mix. Uh, I really liked him coming in, into this offseason, but as the offseason's progressed, so has his ADP's gone up a lot higher. Now we're talking about an early second-round pick. So I understand. I understand the concerns there for you. I'm going to shoot straight with you. I have been a Kenny Drake chooser for a long time. Long time, all the way, you know, all the way back in the Dolphins. So when he popped off last year, um, you know, it was like Christmas for me. But, big but here, I kind of, you know, I didn't want to say it, but I kind of have to. I kind of agree with Chris. Like, when he popped off last year, I traded him immediately. Like, I I sold him high as soon as I could. Yeah, that, that was super smart. Yeah. Move. It's just like, to me, it's one of those things where 
he really could pop off. He could blow up. He could have that RB1 production, but no way do I want him. If I can avoid it, I don't want him as my RB1. <laughs> if I could get him comfortably as an RB2, like if I could get him, if I'm, you know, pick eight and I can swing back in the second round and get him, you got me. But at his current ADP, like if he really is going to be your RB1, you better just close your eyes and pray. <laughs> I mean, if you're at a point where he's your RB1, you're probably not winning the league. Yeah, and that's that's how you know ADP is just way too high for him right now. It's interesting, though, because I feel like if you were you know sitting at that 12-13 at that turn right there at the end of round one, uh, would you guys be comfortable, Chris? Would you be comfortable with, you know, let's say uh, – a Joe Mixon, a Joe Mixon and Kenyon Drake pairing, a Nick Chubb and Kenyon Drake pairing. Does that interest you at all? Or, or don't you even, would you rather take a guy like Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones over him? Uh, if I had to, I, I would be okay with Mixon and Drake. I think I definitely, uh, I think Mixon's a lot more upside, a lot better option. But if I have both of them, I feel okay about it. Um, I'm not a big Aaron Jones guy this year. So to answer your question, uh, probably not, but yeah, I think like within that range, I think Austin Eckler, like you said, is a guy that I, I really like actually. I think he's really been slept on for a few years now, and now that backfield is his. He's the top guy, so I think I'd much rather have him uh, than Drake. I mean, like again, I think what Tom said is pretty much what I'm trying to say. Um, he just doesn't have that track record yet, and I mean, he he might I might be wrong. He might pop off and you know be a top 10 top like eight guy but i just i'm i have there are way too many red flags and concerns for me at this point to feel good about having him as my top running back no doubt no doubt thank you chris uh tom why don't you uh why don't you continue us along this uh this journey of disappointment (laughs) (laughs) all right well we're, we're gonna take it all the way back to the beginning of the podcast where Nate was talking about Philip Lindsay, and my bust for this year is Melvin Gordon. Um, I just, there's so many red flags here. First year in a new offense, there's a hometown hero with a proven production. Even if it hasn't been elite, it's like more than good enough to make it, like they're already talking about a 1A, 1B kind of situation, and everyone says Melvin Gordon's the 1A, but is he? Like, I don't know. In theory, he should be, but I just don't, you know, he tried to hold out last year, uh, didn't work for him. When he did play, he was okay, but his heart didn't seem in it. Like, if you look at his tape and, like, watch his games and stuff, he just, he, he just doesn't seem like he cares. Like, as someone who has owned Devonta Freeman, for years in Dynasty at this point, I just see the same kind of, like, out of gas, like, lack of caring. You know, he's having trouble adjusting to the climate in Denver, like Nate said. So just, like, to me, there's all kind of these little things that say he's probably not going to have the best year of his life. And, you know, he's going ADP-wise, like, somewhere close to, you know, Todd Gurley-ish, like, around in there. And I'd just much rather have, like, a Todd Gurley's going to – he wants to prove it. He wants to win games. I just don't think Melvin Gordon does. Man, that's it, – it's it's crushing to hear that. I mean, Melvin Gordon, he's been such a talented player throughout his career. Uh, Nate, as, as the residential Bronco truther, and we've talked about this – 
does that upside with you know the touchdown production the history for melvin and with that high-powered broncos offense that we're expecting and improved offensive line does that touchdown upside make either of you want want him at all any more than because i feel like that's a huge attraction to me i mean i'd have i'd bench him i'd have him as a as an option sitting on my bench just kind of waiting to see what he does if i'm wrong about him um I think the altitude is going to play a huge part. It's not easy to acclimate. And I've, I've known people personally who have moved here who it's taken them forever to acclimate to the altitude here. And if he's already having, if he's having problems, obviously he didn't come into town early enough before camp. That's just going to carry. And it just kind of shows to me what, exactly what Tom was saying, that he just kind of doesn't seem like he cares that much. It's almost like he's now just collecting a paycheck and, Guys like that, I generally, I just don't think, I don't think there's going to be a lot to him if he even stays healthy. Um, his problems with the altitude concern me as far as him getting injury too, because you know you see guys come to Denver to play and they're completely healthy and they end up tweaking their knee or pulling a muscle. So, yeah, I mean, I, Tom, I completely agree. I just don't see it. I don't see it with him this year. Yeah, I, I definitely don't. I mean, I don't know. I think he's just a a mine like he's just gonna blow up in somebody's face in the worst way this year <laughs> yeah i think i feel like me and tom are up been on the same wavelength this entire time <laughs> i i i'm shocker i'm not high shocker <laughs> i'm not high on melvin either and like i used to like him but i mean those injuries are a huge factor and like, like you guys are saying the altitude i saw um i was looking doing some research and Nate's right. That's that's a big concern, and um, I, I kind of equate him to Todd Gurley because they're both guys who are still like they're not old. They're I think they're mid late twenties. I think Melvin's twenty seven. I just saw, so like he has like some maybe two or three more like potentially productive years left. But I mean, it's if it seems like his heart's not in it, and there's Philip Lindsay factor and um, a lot of other options on that offense. And I, I just if I had the choice between Melvin and Todd Gurley, I'm taking. Gurley, I think. I just, I'm, I don't see it in Melbourne. Yeah, I'm probably with you there taking Gurley, Chris, but, and I'll play devil's advocate one more time and, and lay it to rest, but we got to remember, guys, Melvin Gordon came to Denver uh, turning down another contract, reportedly, because he wanted to play against the Chargers twice a year. And I think that's a, a little bit of... Revenge tour. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> man. A little, little redemption tour. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that CCR redemption tour. Like, they might not have their lead singer and it might not be might not be great without John Fogarty, but I mean, it's still CCR, man, and at a discounted price, discounted admission price somewhere in the late half of the third, early fourth round, he catches passes too. I might be I might be riding that train solo then this year. <laughs> might be, man. Yeah, I mean, just uh, my final thought there on that is, you know, Melvin Gordon wants to beat one team twice a year. Todd Gurley wants to beat, you know, sixteen. <laughs> all right gentlemen and i'm gonna throw out my my bust uh final thing we're t- we'll talk about here on the podcast today my bust i got cam Akers, the rookie out of florida state for the rams he's going in the sixth round uh, i just think it's a little too high for me right now uh i don't know if you guys have been watching hard knocks at all but hard knocks showed daryl henderson jr as a starter and i've kind of been a henderson guy for a while uh 
I'm not huge on the Rams rushing game as a whole this year. We've heard a lot of committee references wanting to be more like the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan out of Sean McVay this offseason. So that that scares me a little bit away from Cam Akers. And my biggest issue here, guys, is Sean McVay didn't address the offensive line at all this offseason. The offensive line was one of the worst in the league last year, and they added one offensive lineman in the seventh round. That's really why I'm worried about Cam Akers. I know we've seen him run behind bad offensive lines in college, but I think the NFL game's a little bit different than college. Well, I I think this is one that I will definitely disagree with you on. Um, I love Cam Akers. What? Um, listen, I he's one of the few people I think has – He's got a he's got the three down back kind of build like he can put up that kind of production. I don't know. I just don't think you know you'd throw you know Daryl Henderson. Who else is there? Malcolm Brown. Oh, okay. Malcolm Brown sucks. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking Daryl no, Henderson know, was a third round pick last year. Man, that that guy looked pretty good. If you watched him at all last season, he looked okay. But I think Cam Akers is going to look better, and I don't think Sean McVay can help himself. I think if he, you know, gets out there and he sees him play and he's like, oh, man, I love it. He's just going to let him run. He's going to let him run all day until he gets, you know, Todd Gurley or something. You know what right. I mean? Like he, I think he, I think he, he loves lesson. having Gurley. He has – I don't think he's learned his lesson. <laughs> I think he's going to dip right back into that same pool again. I mean, you're right. They What did they do with their second-round pick instead of addressing their offensive line? Sean McVay was like, man, I love this tape of this kid. We're drafting him. <laughs> he's gonna give him the chance i don't know man i just don't i think daryl henderson's a better pass catcher too i just think I, I if i'm taking a shot on a rams running back this year all i'm saying is i will pay a 10th to 12th round pick for henderson and avoid uh avoid taking cam Akers there i think there's a lot of good wide receivers tight ends and other running backs not named cam Akers at that point in the draft chris where are you at on cam Akers here I'm gonna play like middleman for this. Like I'm not, I'm not totally with Seth or Tom here. I think like, I think it's just gonna take a year for Cam. Like I think I'm, I'm probably more leaning towards Seth for this season. I'd probably rather have Henderson than Acres just because he's been in the league and Acres is a rookie. And again, this is not a normal off season or season. And but at the same time, I do think he has a ton of potential. And I do think, I mean, he he's not gonna be girly. I don't think, but I think he can be productive in that Rams backfield, especially with what Sean McVay likes to do and getting those guys involved uh, in the pass game too. And yeah, I think, I don't know. I think acres, I, I haven't really done too much research on him, but I think if I had the choice between him and a bunch of other guys in that range, I probably wouldn't, he probably wouldn't be the first guy that I would take, but I think maybe next season, he's a guy who I would take. Fair enough. Fair enough, gentlemen. And uh, I think we've given our listeners about all they can handle today uh, between the bickering back and forth between Hayes and I and uh, (laughs) some fire picks on the other side of that as well. So we'll wrap it up here. Uh, Any final words? Tom, you always kind of leave us going into into the rest of my week pretty well with some, some wise words from Mr. Kuda. 
Well, my words for this week are, you know, we've all been quarantined, locked up in your house for a while, and we've all known that it's important to build routines to make sure you can stay sane, keep your workspace separate from your fun space when all of it's the same. Um, so my advice is, you know, break that every now and again. Like, you know, now that the norm is to be in really strict uh, routines, just do something fun every once in a while. Just, you know, kind of break it. You know, take a 10-minute break sometime in the day you don't normally and just go outside and go for a walk around your neighborhood. You know, do something to keep your brain from going insane, from doing the same thing every day. <laughs> yeah, sometimes just, like, trademark Andrews for, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> someone, someone Listen, said he's not going let's trade, anywhere. Like, let's trade. Like, trade Mark Andrews, Daryl Henderson. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> trademark ballsy. andrews are three words that tom would never want to go together <laughs> not not for a few years at least not for a few man <laughs> well hey thank you guys uh thank you guys for joining us tom thanks for the words of wisdom there uh yeah seriously guys take care of yourself out there stay healthy change your routines up a little bit have some fun with it the NFL season is approaching. Hang with us on In Between Media. We got some more good content for you. 50 tips for the season is out. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure as always. You too, man. Thanks for everything. Yeah, thank you, my dude. All right, we'll catch you next time. Stay in between. <laughs>